you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Thank you guys for coming. Welcome to the Telltale Podcast. Today we're going to go in depth about Jehovah's Witnesses' response to the coronavirus. Then we're going to talk about the state of the stock market right now. Next, we're going to cover Hobby Lobby's response to the virus. And finally, we're going to talk about good old Kent Hovind and Dinosaur Adventureland. But before we get into all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Hi, my name is Maddie, and I'm from Utah. Me and my sister were wondering, what is everyone going to do with all of this backstock of toilet paper and food? Because all of the stores near our house are, like, empty, and they're closing down Costco, and um, I just don't even know, like, how to comprehend what's happening right now. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe also if the gets worse enough, like, what are we going to do with the, all of the trash and the garbage that we build up throughout the days if we're just hiding away? So about your comment on the trash, the garbage that, that's building up throughout the day, here's the thing, okay? It, it feels like there's societal collapse at this immediate moment. There isn't. It probably feels that way because when you go to a grocery store, there isn't much food on the shelves and things like that. This is artificially bringing the economy to a halt. The U.S. government is bringing it to a halt. Rightfully so. I think that the U.S. government is fully correct in the decisions that they're making right now to stop any non-essential services and things like that. But something to remember is that grocery stores are still open. Trucks are still delivering food. Farms are still operating. Things like that. The trash is still running. The internet's still running. Any essential services are still running. So as scary as this seems, as, as much as it looks like societal collapse, it is not. Trash trucks are going to continue picking our trash up. Grocery stores are still going to get food. We're, they're still getting food deliveries. If people weren't panic buying toilet paper like idiots, we would have toilet paper there. Perfectly fine. I mean, Italy and all of these other places, all of their services are still running. The virus largely doesn't affect people of working age, not as heavily as other demographics. So our workforce, our supply chain, that's all still going to be perfectly fine. If people weren't panic buying, we wouldn't see empty shelves. There's something called broken windows theory. Here's what the Wikipedia page says. The broken windows theory is a criminological theory that states that visible signs of crime, antisocial behavior, and civil disorder create an urban environment that encourages further crime and disorder, including serious crimes. So when you go to the store and you see empty shelves, it facilitates more societal collapse it makes people feel like society is collapsing even if it isn't which it isn't right now one of the solutions to this problem is fixing the windows taking pictures of shelves that are well stocked and posting them on social media 
it's so out of the ordinary to see empty shelves in grocery stores that people post it. They feel like it's a strange, unusual occurrence, because it is. So if we start posting pictures of well-stocked shelves on social media, it will slow or stop the perception of societal collapse. Hi, this is Erin from Utah, and I am wondering if you consider the Amish a cult. Thank you. That's a really good question. It's interesting because most of society doesn't really view the Amish as a cult, strangely. But they totally 100% are. They practice shunning. They lock themselves into these little communities where nobody else is really allowed to live. It's very heavily controlled in many, many different ways. It's bizarre to me that people don't really view them as a cult. I've actually done a video on this like forever ago. Mennonites and Amish, I would consider both to be cults. Uh, the Mennonites are a little bit more decentralized than the Amish. Uh, they kind of come in pockets, but yeah, for sure, 100%, I would say uh, the Amish are a cult. No doubt about it. Hey, Owen. Okay, I've got a fun one for you. My name is Gloria Christie, which literally means the glory of Christ. I have other siblings with names like Grace and Faith. And of me and my siblings, as we're starting to become adults, we're realizing we may not have that same very fundamentalist Christian faith that our parents do. My question for you is, like, what do you think of when parents give their children names that so closely align with their faith when you know that um, even when those kids grow up, they may not align with the same faith that their children have. Thank you. That really does suck. I mean, you're putting a lot of stock in something that is not guaranteed, but people believe this stuff to the death, seriously. Like my, my mom, for example, believes that Jehovah's Witnesses are correct to the death like she she would sacrifice literally anything she would bet her life i don't know of anybody that's more sure that they are correct than religious fundamentalists of all stripes jehovah's witnesses like different versions of muslims mormons evangelical christians they all are so dead sure that they're correct and it's mind-blowing like they 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 can't fathom the idea that maybe they're not. They're so sure that they'll name their kids something so perfectly in line with, the, with their religious beliefs. They're nice names anyways, and they're common names, so it's not like, it's not like Nevaeh, you know, uh, heaven spelled backwards. That's kind of, a, that's uncommon. That screams, you know, you're in this religion and you believe it and all this stuff. But Gloria and Christy are reasonably common names so that, that's not so bad matthew colorado i'm calling i'm asking uh, i have um histrionic personality disorder and one of the symptoms is that i'm easily influenced and i'm wondering if you have any advice for how i can protect myself from joining a cult when i'm easily influenced and would be a high risk of joining one thank you that's a really good question. The fact that you recognize that you're easily influenced is, is an asset to you. Use that as an asset. The first thing I would say is put some deep research time into critical thinking skills. I, I mean, there are actual college courses that you can take on critical thinking, and I would suggest you 
research that stuff, read about critical thinking and how it works and, and all of this stuff, uh, logical fallacies and things like that. Research that heavily. And since you recognize that you're more easily influenced than, say, the average person, try your hardest to be as skeptical as possible about every claim that's presented to you. Somebody comes to you talking about essential oils and how they do this thing for you and that thing for you. Look it up. Get on Google and look it up. Find out if those things really are true. A lot of the time you'll find people are kind of full of it. For example, they say um, 83% of statistics are made up on the spot, including that statistic. You know, people just make things up on the spot, and it doesn't matter. Most of the time, people aren't going to fact-check statistics and things like that. Fact-check it. That's the trick. That's the key. You need to fact-check this stuff when people say it. Uh, and it seems like it's especially important for somebody who is more susceptible to influence. Honestly, I, I'm pretty susceptible to influence, too, because I grew up Jehovah's Witness. I grew up being more willing to believe stuff that other people would see as patently ridiculous. So I have to be careful that I don't just fall for any old thing, too. So you're not alone in that. Hi, Alan. Um... My name's Tara. Um, I'm trans, and because of that, I basically just ended my relationship with one of my family members. I put up with her comments for about two months before I reached my limit. She didn't want to help me get to doctor's appointments because she knew that I was going to get help with being trans. And um, I wanted something good to come out of this, so I was hoping to get your thoughts on how long people should put up with family members making comments about being LGBT or leaving their religion, joining a different religion, becoming atheists, etc. That's a good question, an extremely good question. I really appreciate you calling in with that. Um, I am on record as saying that I don't believe in shunning under any circumstances ever. So what point is it, at what point is it acceptable for you to basically shun a family member? Or is there a point at which that's acceptable? And the answer is, if they're making your life miserable, if they're giving you shit and just, just making you sick of being around them, you have no obligation to try to hold that relationship together. So if they're not helping you, like you said here, Putting up, if you're putting up with comments from them and things like that, you don't need that. You don't need it. The tricky part is if you were to ask my mom, for example, who is shunning me, who's shunning who? She would say, I'm shunning her. In reality, that's just not true at all. I am more than willing to have a relationship with her. Have been since day one. I want one, but she doesn't and she can't deal with the fact that she ended the relationship she sits there and talks about how depressed she is that she can't have a relationship with me she says that i ended the relationship because i left jehovah's organization in reality i just went off and lived my life something that she didn't have to be a part of in any way 
I didn't have to discuss any of this with her. That was not an obligation to being in a relationship with me. I was perfectly fine with leaving religion out of it completely. But she isn't. She will not be in a relationship with me if I am not a Jehovah's Witness, basically, is what it comes down to. So you have to be aware of who took what actions and who is to blame in the situation, and don't let anybody gaslight anybody else. If they're making your life miserable, they are de facto ending the relationship. So I, I think you're perfectly within your rights to not put up with bullshit like that. So I'm, I'm glad that you are taking a step forward and, and hopefully at some point in the future, maybe, I don't know what your relationship is with this person, but who knows, maybe they change their mind at some point and they, they open up and they realize they were wrong and maybe you can reestablish communication. Who knows? Time will tell. Let's just give this a read and see what it has to say. This is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist blog, written March 20th. It says, In case you're wondering how some religions are coping with the outbreak, just look at the Jehovah's Witnesses to see how absurd reactions can get. In a recent video featuring governing body member Stephen Lett, he absolutely delights in the disease because he sees it as a signal that Armageddon is imminent. Hallelujah. So here's what, here is a quote from the video. So the events unfolding around us are making clear more than ever that we're living in the final part of the last days. Undoubtedly, the final part of the final part of the last days. Shortly before the last day of the last days. That is a tongue twister. I said this in my video that released earlier today on my main channel. That is a tongue twister. I'm not really sure what kind of a weird theology they have set up here. It's really, really bizarre. Anyway, if that makes sense to you, then congratulations. Being blissfully ignorant in the wake of a global disaster must be nice. Yeah, that's really strange. But it doesn't end here. Actually, um, this is another article on the Friendly Atheist blog about this situation. Jehovah's Witnesses leader on the virus. Cheer up, it's gonna get worse. This was written on March 22nd. Since many of you were shocked by a recent video showing a Jehovah's Witness leader apparently taking delight in the virus, here's another one. This time, two clips are spliced. In the first, we hear a man explaining how six Jehovah's Witnesses have already died from it. The second, featuring governing body member Anthony Morris on the 148th Gilead graduation in New York last week, shows him finding a silver lining in the pandemic. Morris, here's what Morris said. I was telling the branch class yesterday, it doesn't bother me. We've been waiting for this. I've been telling them for some time now. Cheer up. It's going to get worse. Yay, more people will die. To be clear, he's not responding to those six deaths, which were reported after his graduation comments, but he is responding to the pandemic itself. He's excited by it because he thinks it means the end is near. There are religious people who think chaos on earth signals eternal peace. Their delusions aren't helping us respond properly to the crisis. Yeah, well said. It's extremely disturbing that they're taking this position. When all of this started, 
Jehovah's Witnesses were kind of pretending that it wasn't happening. They were kind of ignoring the situation. They, it, it was a lot like how they reacted when like the Ebola crisis was happening like forever ago. They weren't really putting huge emphasis on it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they canceled the memorial. They canceled door-to-door service, like, you know, door knocking. They canceled it. They canceled everything. They canceled their assemblies, their, their meetings, everything. It was really, really interesting to see them folding the way they did just out of nowhere like that. And it's like, I think Sam Harris said this like forever ago. With some religious people, there is a silver lining behind every mushroom cloud. It's like they're excited for the destruction that's going to be happening. And it's, it's really disturbing. And the even more disturbing bit about this whole thing is the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses were, like, set up for societal collapse in the first place. Like, they have been for, like, decades. They, they've got these sleeper cells and everything all structured out and, and ready to split people up into these little groups for when, you know, the government just comes after them and wants to take them out. It's really, really crazy. And it's, it's fascinating in a lot of ways to, to see how they're reacting to all of this. But it's also extremely disturbing. So give us about 30 seconds. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stock market and the situation happening with it right now. So we'll be back in about 30 seconds. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to read was something from Yahoo Finance. It's finance.yahoo.com. And it's basically just talking about the stock market and the, you know, the whole situation surrounding it right now. So let's give it a read and see what it says. Stocks on Friday plunged to a three-year low, closing out their worst week since the 2008 financial crisis and obliterating all of the gains made since Donald Trump was inaugurated as investors weighed the escalating coronavirus outbreak against vast stimulus measures designed to mitigate the crisis. The losses, which came to more than 4% for the S&P 500 and Dow during Friday's session alone, brought the S&P 500's total weekly losses to 15% for its worst weekly performance since October 2008. The Dow swan-dived 17.3% on the week, with all the benchmarks setting at their lowest level since early 2017. So a lot of people may not know exactly like what the Dow is, what the stock market is or how it operates or whatever else. Let me just give you guys like a basic primer for how this works, okay? So the Dow, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and there are some others. They're basically, they're what's called industry standards, I think, or industry indexes, and they, they pretty much take the stocks of like 500 companies within a specific industry. I think the Dow is supposed to take a broad range of companies, not just from a specific industry, but they take like Microsoft and Apple and Google and Netflix, and those are all tech stocks, but they take stocks from across the board, airline stocks and train stocks and everything. 
like 500 companies and they average the the values out and then you can go to Google and just look at them. So here are the stocks that you find in the Dow. You've got 3M, American Express, Apple, Boeing, Caterpillar, Chevron, Cisco. So you've got some tech stocks, you've got some oil stocks, uh, you've got Boeing, which is a, a airplanes and things like that. It's also linked to the military. You got IBM, Home Depot, Goldman Sachs, banking stocks, General Electric, ExxonMobil, Dow DuPont, the Walt Disney Company. So it's a broad range of different companies across the spectrum. Walmart, Visa, Verizon, United Health, so on and so forth, right? So that's the Dow. And they basically take averages of every one of these companies' stock prices and they list them. You can see what the stock market is doing right now. This is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So this is an average of all the companies that I listed just now. Um, this is what their stocks are doing right now. Some of them are actually doing better. Some of them are doing worse. For example, Walmart's stock is doing really well, last I checked. Well, Walmart is an up and down kind of thing, I guess. I don't know. It's a very tumultuous time right now. This is like one month. This is six months. See, Walmart is up and down, up and down. And my guess is because people know that Walmart is going to be selling things like absolute crazy right now. Naturally, you would expect for Walmart to be worth a lot more money, right? They're bringing in a ton of revenue. They're getting a ton of customers. But then they realize that Walmart can't keep up with the demand, at this moment, they're not getting enough product coming into their stores because of everything, you know, because of all the panic buying and everything like that. So they see all these empty shelves on Walmart and they realize there's a lot of pessimism about Walmart and they're like, they can't handle it. So their stock starts to plummet. And then they see all these customers coming in and it shoots right back up and then it plummets, it shoots back up. See, when you see things like this with the Dow Jones, the industrial average, what you're seeing here is general pessimism in the market. It's a general distrust that these companies are going to be able to pull themselves together and, and, and make it through. But if there's one fact that you need to know about the stock market, about the American economy, and honestly about the American spirit, about the world spirit, is that it will always bounce back. People will always come back. I learned that the hard way going through all of my stuff, you know, losing my family members and everything else. I learned the hard way that whether you like it or not, you will make it through. There is no quit button. And there's no quit button on the economy either. We kind of hit a pause button at this moment, but everything is going to resume. And it sounds to me like the U.S. government is going to be bailing these companies out which is pretty controversial, but it's a decision that I agree with. I think that we should bail these companies out. We should also bail out the American people. We should be giving stimulus packages, which it sounds like we're going to be doing. But these companies failing is going to be devastating to the U.S. economy. They employ tons and tons of people. If United Airlines or American Airlines or, or whatever, as some airline, went out of business... Do you know how many people would lose their jobs? They employ so many people. It would be devastating if they couldn't bounce back from this.
So these companies will bounce back. They will. And that's why I say, even if it, even if it has to come from, uh, from government bailout, they will bounce back. That's why I'm going to say this now. It is a wise decision to invest in the stock market right now. Look at this. Stock prices are bottoming out. This is a bigger drop than we have seen. We've only seen a drop of this magnitude on the stock market a total of two other times in history. 1987 was the worst drop to the stock market in all of U.S. history, and it was worse than the 1929, uh, what do you call it, Black Tuesday stock market crash. It was worse than the thing that sent us into the Great Depression, the 1987 drop was. So this information may be updated. This is a fluid situation, but as far the last I checked, the stock market plummeted the worst ever in U.S. history in 1987, second worst in U.S. history today, this month, and third in U.S. third worst in U.S. history in 1929, right before the Great Depression. That's my understanding of it. That's the most up-to-date information that I have. Like I said, the stock market is going to bounce back. Right now is a really good time to invest in a Roth IRA or something like that. Right now, I can't give you any specific stocks that you should invest in because I genuinely don't know. I can't tell you what companies are going to go out of business and, w and which aren't, but everything is just dirt cheap right now because the stock market is crashing and there's just an insane amount of pessimism in it right now. I'm not invested in the stock market at all. I don't even have a Roth IRA because up to up until like the past year, I have been dirt poor. I have been under the poverty line basically my entire life. And now I'm just just under the median income for the U.S., I think, or maybe just above it. I could probably start investing in the stock market at some point just based on my income, but I haven't. I don't have any kind of savings or anything like that. So the stock market crashing is something that largely affects wealthy people, and for that reason, it hasn't affected me in any way, shape, or form. But the poor are going to start seeing the results of it soon because we're not going to be able to get jobs i guess i still think of myself as under the poverty line but i'm i'm not anymore i guess i'm probably close to the median income but anyway they won't be able to get jobs uh pretty soon prices are going to plummet for a lot of things that those are going to be the the natural results of the stock market crashing the reason that I know so much about the stock market, even though I've basically never invested in it in my entire life, is because my dad actually worked with a stockbroker company for like years. And I learned all about how the stock market worked when I was like 12 for that reason. I built like a stock market simulator and everything at the time, like out of C. I think I wrote it in the language C. But anyway, the stock market is an interesting thing to watch at this immediate moment. There will come a point with it where it's going to do what's called bottom out, where this is as low as it's going to go, and it, it, it won't go any lower. It's going to probably stay stagnant for a little, little bit longer, 
and then it's gonna shoot up. Naturally, that's what's gonna happen with the stock market. That's just how it works. But nobody knows where the bottom is yet. It dropped 10,000 points. That is insane. We were at 30,000 points. That is, that is a representation of our entire economy. 30,000 points. That's where we were. And it dropped below 20,000. So it, it dropped by 33%, literally wiping out all of the gains that, that the Trump era brought in. This is the progression from 1980 to now with the stock market. So you can see a, a, just a natural progression upward, right? Over the course of eight years, it rose 250%. Then 1987, we had this giant drop, just sudden drop. And then there was a recovery. We went from 1987 all the way up to 1998. Now, 1998, we had Bill Clinton in office. But you can't really credit all of these gains, this huge hump right here. You can't really credit all of that to Bill Clinton. It was largely the dot-com bubble is what it's called. It's basically where the internet was gaining in popularity. There were all these websites that you could buy and sell things on, and it was a new revolutionary thing. Uh, this is around the time when Google was forming, uh, 2003, I think, 2002, somewhere in there. 2001, September 11th, you, you can see this giant drop right here where you know all that stuff happened that I'm not going to say because I don't want to get the video shut down again. And the stock market crashed again. The stock market completely shut down. That killed all of the momentum from the dot-com bubble. But there was a little bit of a recovery through the years. And then the Iraq war, another fall. But slowly but surely, from 2003, started to grow again. And then 2008, boom, just nuclear missile just ran right into the stock market, just destroyed it. Obama... Uh, came into office January 21st and or I'm sorry January 20th and he had this huge crisis to solve so right here March 6th is where it bottomed out so it really started to fall about September 2008 is when it really started to dip and it dipped until March 10th give or take so about six months of bottoming out and not not improving at all then march 6th all the way until trump got elected it we had steady growth there was a, there have been a few times during trump's presidency where the stock market has kind of had its ups and downs because there was a general sentiment of pessimism people didn't really trust him to do the job correctly uh, or or various other different problems that that inspired people to pull their investments out of the market or pull their retirement funds out of the market or whatever else. But generally speaking, the market has always kind of bounced back. There's a giant dip on Christmas Eve of 2018, I believe. That everybody thought the market was preparing to crash there, but it it bounced back. It made it, and now here we are, March 20th, 2020, oh, give or take, uh, you know, the date isn't exact, and it has fallen 34%. Holy hell. 
I have never in my entire life seen a market fall that hard. So the point here is if you're going to invest in the stock market, I think that's an extremely wise decision, even $100. Put something in the stock market, but wait until you feel like it's bottomed out adequately before you do, because it will come back. It will. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Hobby Lobby and their refusal to close their stores during the current crisis we're dealing with. So give us 30 seconds and we will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at, uh, this one is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist blog. It was written March 21st. The title is Christian-Owned Hobby Lobby Refuses to Close All Stores During Our Current Situation. I'm being really careful about the words I use here. While all other responsible people have put their life on hold, Hobby Lobby stores are still open in states that will allow it. The chain, owned by the evangelical Green family, is refusing to shut down no matter how much harm they could be creating for their employees and customers. Hobby Lobby is actually renowned for doing really stupid, messed up stuff, so it honestly doesn't surprise me. I'm actually kind of boycotting Hobby Lobby. I've never had a reason to go there anyways, but I'm not going to. Even if I did have a reason to, I wouldn't. According to a letter posted on Reddit sent by CEO David Green to all employees and dated March 19th, everyone is simply told they may have to tighten their belts during this situation. Tighten their belts? I'm not sure what tighten their belts means. Of course, Green won't have to worry about tightening his belt. The the billionaire has enough money to pay for the Museum of the Bible and the fake artifacts inside. Oh no, is this what I think it is? Hang on. This is in reference to the Dead Sea Scroll fragments that are forgeries. I'll have to cover that on another video. Basically, the original Dead Sea Scrolls that we found originally are not fake, but there are some newer ones that were found in the 2000s that are forgeries, it was concluded. Anyway, let's continue reading. It's everyone who works for him who stand to suffer. The letter also includes what I assume is meant to be inspiration in the form of a voice that his wife heard in her head. In my family, Barbara is the prayer warrior. Today, that title takes on such a different meaning than I ever imagined before because we are at war with this latest virus trying to watch my words here. In our quiet prayer time this past week, the Lord put on Barbara's heart three profound words to remind us that he's in control. Guide, guard, and groom. Okay, getting a little weird here. We serve a God who will guide us through this storm, who will guard us as we travel to places never seen before, and who, as a result of this experience, will groom us to be better than we could have ever thought possible before now. I feel like the word groom is probably associated with things that he may not realize or uh, he wouldn't be using that word if he was aware of its connotations. Uh, Let's just continue reading here. Great. Everyone's going to be fine because Barbara had a goddamn dream. The only press release on the store's website regarding the outbreak offers nothing but simple information about how the store is coping with it. More frequent store cleanings. That's about it. 
Employees who show symptoms will be asked to self-quarantine at home, though there's no mention of people who carry it without showing symptoms, and no mention of whether employees will be on paid leave. Of course they won't be on paid leave. This is America. While the store may be closed in states where governors have made have mandated it, the chain appears to be open everywhere else, creating the possibility that dozens of people may be shopping there at once. Unlike grocery stores, it's hard to make the case that yarn and glitter are essential products in a time of crisis. Rather than being proactive and safe, they're being reactive and irresponsible. It's not surprising either. This is the same chain that refused to provide comprehensive health insurance for employees that might allow them to obtain birth control. Birth control, come on, people. This is absolutely disgusting, man. They care about greed and God. They don't care about their employees and they don't care about the communities their stores are located in. If it spreads because they're not taking proper precautions, at least they'll make a few more bucks in the process. Just disregard the lives that are destroyed by their decision. Hobby Lobby did not respond to a request for comment for this article nor have they responded to anyone questioning their decision on Facebook. It is so extremely important that you self-quarantine like the government is recommending and mandating in, in many cases now. look, Just look at what's happening to Italy right now. It's so extremely serious that you follow the recommendations. I know it's miserable. I know it's not pleasant. I know nobody is enjoying this. If you go outside and refuse to self-quarantine, people's deaths are on your hands. Seriously, take this very seriously. It's really disappointing to see that Hobby Lobby is doing this, but it's something that I've noticed about this whole situation is the people who are refusing to follow the government's recommendations and orders in some cases all happen to be evangelical extremist Christians of various stripes. I do find it interesting, though, that Jehovah's Witnesses are following the recommendations very, very closely. I find that fascinating. And I'm going to be even more interested when nothing comes of it, this just ends, and Jehovah's Witnesses are just, like, left standing there like, uh, okay, well, I guess the end isn't here. This will end eventually. Whether it ends with 99% of the world catching it or 20% of the world catching it is up to us. But one way or another, it will come to an end eventually. One way or another, things will continue moving. It, it'll all get back on track eventually. And when that happens, I will be interested to see Jehovah's Witnesses' reaction to it. I don't usually like harassing people. I, in fact, I, I don't stand for that at all. I'm just going to leave people alone generally, but I would love to ask a Jehovah's Witness, why don't we make a prediction? Give me, give me a prediction here. Tell me what you think is going to happen and tell me your uh, percentage of how sure you are this is what's going to happen. Do you think the end is going to come? Let's say you think the end is going to come in the next three months because that's what's happening right now you know the world is in flames at the moment so let's say give it three months and then the the last day of the last days will be here now give me your percentage chance that that you think that's the case 80 90 percent 99 percent 100 percent let's write that down on a piece of paper 
And in three months, let's come back to it. Let's revisit this. We'll pull this piece of paper out. We'll sit down together and we'll talk about how sure you were at that time that this, that this was going to happen and how wrong you were. Now, what other things could you be so extremely sure about that you just so happen to be wrong about also. I would love to sit down with a Jehovah's Witness and talk that through with them, or Mormon, or any kind of evangelical nutcase. But, uh, yeah, generally I just say leave them be. Let's give it uh, another 30 seconds. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Kent Hovind and a situation that happened at his uh, dinosaur adventure land. Uh, give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled, Yes, a boy drowned at my park, but his siblings had a blast here. This is what creationist Kent Hovind said famously recently. This is another article by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist blog. This was written on March 21st, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. Yesterday, creationist Kent Hovind spoke on his daily YouTube show about the seven-year-old boy who drowned at his dinosaur adventure land, a low-budget creation museum on Sunday. The boy had allegedly slipped on a dock and fallen into a pond before being proclaimed dead at a local hospital. I'm sorry for the boy, and I'm sorry for his family. That's very heartbreaking. Instead of expressing any sympathy for the family or explaining how things would change at the park moving forward, Hovind briefly discussed what happened before talking about how the rest of his family's day was just great and mocking someone on Twitter who noted the incident occurred. Here's a quote from Hovind. We had, this last Sunday... Uh, let me see if I can do it in Hovind's voice. Uh, we had, this last Sunday, rumors going around the internet about an accidental drowning here at Dinosaur Adventureland. And it's true. <laughs> am I nailing it or am I just destroying it? Uh, is, this, is this a good impression or a bad impression? I have no idea. Let me continue. There was a family with five kids, twin seven-year-olds, all playing in the lake together. The water was three feet deep. Suddenly, the dad noticed that Stephen, the seven-year-old, was gone and he apparently slipped on the dock and hit his head. Nobody saw. We don't know, but he did drown in our lake, and we tried, to someone off screen, your wife is a medical doctor. This is what he said, apparently. Your wife is a medical doctor, and she's right there on the scene with him. As soon as she got him out of the water, we don't know how long he was underwater. She gave him CPR, probably did everything right, took him to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, it's just too late. We don't know what happened. Anyway, the kids had a blast here, and the dad wants to bring all the kids back and loves the place. <laughs> Always thinking about himself. What is going on here, man? Always thinking about the good press. This is not the time for that, man. This is not the time for that. It, it's okay for you to say, kids had a blast here, and the dad wants to bring all the kids back and loves the place. Put it in a separate video. Put it in a completely separated from the rest of the message. That should not be put together. And then he mocked the guy from Twitter before criticizing him for making the family feel bad their boy drowned. I knew Kent Hovind lacked brain power. I didn't realize he lacked a heart, too. See, okay, this is where I disagree. 
let me come back to that in a second. Let me finish this this article here. Everyone who enters dinosaur adventure land is told they're entering at their own risk because there are no medical professionals or lifeguards on site. There's no indication the family plans to sue Hovind or the attraction. So this this quote here from from Hemant Meta, I knew Hovind lacked brain power. I didn't realize he lacked a heart too. I disagree. I disagree with that sentiment. Okay, let me tell you why. I have studied him. I have studied Hovind and his techniques. I've watched all of his um, his videos, his sermons, and all of that stuff. I've studied what he does and how he says what he says and the things that he says. I've studied him. He is smart. He could be a cult leader if he wanted to. It's extremely disturbing the way he acts, the way he, the, the charisma, the the way he talks, the way he kind of works his belief system into your life and comes up with ex- explanations and excuses for everything. It's like he was so influential through the 2000s. He formed out a lot of the ideology of young earth creationism. People grew up watching this guy and listening to this guy and learning from him. I think he's extremely smart to a disturbing degree. And I honestly think that he knows what he's saying is a lie. And he says it anyways and comes up with explanations for things anyways. I don't really have anything to back that up exactly. It's just a hunch. I just think he knows that he's lying. But I suspect that he's locked himself into this young earth creationism thing because he feels like he needs it to be true for one reason or another. Maybe he lost somebody in his life. He faced some some kind of tragedy where he needs this to be true or his whole life is a lie. It's like the, the sunk costs fallacy. You know, my mom is a Jehovah's Witness and she will never leave the religion because everything that she gave up and all of the fucked up things that she did for that religion if she walked away from the religion now or if she accepted that it was fake she would realize what a horrible person she is for doing all that stuff for for a lie and i think it's probably the same for kentoven i think deep down he may know that what he's saying is a, is a lie because he's had evolution explained to him like 16 billion times, you know. And he keeps coming up with the same bullshit explanations every single time. Keeps coming up with the same stuff. Like, uh, he keeps presenting the question, if, if evolution's real, if we came from monkeys, and why are there still monkeys? You can't ask that in a serious, honest way anymore, right, Kent? Because that's been explained to you like a lot, by a lot of intelligent people. It's like asking, if French and English both came from Latin, then why is there still French? It's like they have a common ancestor, the two languages. We didn't come from monkeys. Monkeys and humans came from a common ancestor. Like, this has been explained to you. You must know this. Why are you continuing to push this stuff out? It doesn't make any sense. But I honestly think Kent Hovind is is disturbingly smart and and I also agree with Hemant Metahir he you didn't realize he lacked a heart I realized that after watching his content so much and thinking about 
the things that he says in such depth, I realized he didn't have a heart a long time ago. He's very charismatic to a disturbing degree. But uh, yeah, he, he is very smart. So anyway, that's where we're going to end it for the night. Again, thanks for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.